When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday, and y'all know what that means. Welcome to the August 31st, 2022 edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. This is the AEW Dynamite postgame show, and it was a jam-packed episode tonight. I am so excited to be here. I am your host for the night. Back from the dead on the Wrestling Inc. postgame show, Michael Wiseman. It's been a minute since I've been in this seat here. Um, Straight from North Carolina. But I am happy to be here because I am joined by two wonderful, wonderful people. Of course, you know him, probably best known for siding with management and the great referee strike of 1999, Jimmy Corderas. Uh, Slight correction there. I didn't side with management. I kind of sided with the side of my wife because I had just gotten married. And I couldn't afford to go on strike. Let's put it that way. There you go. Was yeah. that was that all part of the story? Because this is like I haven't brushed up on this back in like they all came out and beat yeah. you up at the pay per view, right? Is yeah. That- well, real quickly, I, I, I legitimately I got married about two weeks before a couple of weeks before the uh, pay per view, so I went on a honeymoon for two weeks, and I, that angle happened while I was on the hun- on my honeymoon. Obviously, I'm not watching wrestling because I want to stay married. So I come back from the honeymoon and I'm, hi, everybody. Hi, hey, hey. And I run into Hunter and he says, and I said, hey, Trips, what's up? How are you doing? He says, hey, Corduroy, good to see you back. Too bad you're out of a job. Ha, 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 ha. You know, because I found out by then that uh, the rest were striking. I said, well, Hunter, I can't afford to go on strike because I just got married. So uh, he said, ha, ha, that's it. Come with me. So he took me to JR and they talked about it. And that's how I became the scab referee. That's perfect. And and yeah. that's a great, was such a great role. Like at the time, just a great story to tell, but hearing that backstory makes it so much more entertaining as a fan. So that's Thank awesome, you. Jimmy. Yeah, it was fun. not actually a scab referee. Jimmy has done everything in the business. <laughs> so nobody can wait. Michael was saying on the podcast that Jimmy, so um, no, great to have yeah. you, Jimmy. And we've never got to Thank do anything you. together. So um, no. I'm happy to have your knowledge here tonight doing this podcast. I appreciate you. And Thank of course, we have the lovely, to my other side, the lovely, the wonderful, the talented. She does everything. You do every post-game show that Wrestling Inc. does, don't you, Isa? I don't do Mondays. I don't do Monday oh. Night Raw. I, I leave that to the triple J, the triple threat, the J's. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm here on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. But but let me ask you a question. If Roman Reigns showed up on Monday Night Raw, you would do that Monday Night Raw, wouldn't you? I mean, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am so happy to have you both here tonight. Um, we're gonna, we got a lot to get to. Of course, we got dynamite. We're going to run through. We have some um, news coming from today from some backstage stuff in Impact Wrestling. We're going to do predictions for dynamite. And of course, if you are joining us live at the moment, uh, the chat room is wide open. So we'll be bringing in some of those chats tonight. If you want to make sure we see what you write, please give us that super chat, and we will make sure to highlight it. Mm-hmm. Um, but any, any news and notes for us you want to throw out there, we're happy to have the conversation going because it's all you all driving this conversation. And Issa, Jimmy, it's you mm-hmm. two for tonight. I am facilitating what happened. 
but your insight is what's going to make this a great show tonight. So I'm happy, happy, happy to be here. I will say, I thought this was a much better episode of AEW Dynamite than last week and the last couple of weeks, which kind of felt like we were on a little bit of a, a sugar rush. Um, Jimmy, overall thoughts, just quick hits on this episode of Dynamite tonight. There was some entertaining stuff. I give it that. But again, the, the, it's the little things. And sometimes, uh, as I say to Issa and Justin on Wednesday nights, a lot of times AEW tries to cram 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10-pound bag. And I felt like they did that uh, very much so. Yes, I get it. They're going into a pay-per-view on Sunday. But at the same time, you got to give things time to breathe. There, uh, I'll get into it later. But uh, there's one one instance in particular that really kind of irked me. They do that. What was that? 20 pounds of potatoes into a 10 pound bag. Yes. Did you also work produce when you were in high school? Because that's what I did. So I can relate to that very example. There was a, there was a time where I did it in the summer. Yeah. 20 pounds of potato. Is that a, is that a Toronto expression? I've just never heard that. That's really good. No, it's a Jimmy expression. <laughs> Trademark. Yes. Thank you. Isa, quick hits, quick thoughts on the um, show tonight. I mean, you heard Jimmy say 20 pounds of potato in a 10 pound bag, maybe not quite as bad to me tonight, um, but they still have so many things they run through and poor Excalibur running through that card for Sunday night. Like give the dude a breath, right? Uh, what was your thoughts on tonight's overall show? Just at a quick hit. Uh, it, it wasn't it. <laughs> I mean, this show didn't sell any pay-per-views in my opinion, but we'll get into that. Okay. And I guess uh, Wayne's right there in the chat room agreeing with you. He said probably the worst wrestling show of the week so far. Of course, you've already had Raw and NXT this week. So, um, you know, a little bit of uh, thoughts here in the AEW was a four or five out of 10. George Bartley in the chat room saying that. Wow. So, um, hmm. yeah, people maybe aren't drinking what Tony Khan is uh, trying to sell out there. So hmm. yeah. we'll pick up here with where we left off last week. Of course, I know y'all talked extensively about it uh, last week. The big angle coming out of that was CM Punk losing that title unification match in less than five minutes. Right. The hurt foot. Um, so we literally pick back up tonight with John Moxley coming out to that uh, ferocious Chicago crowd. We're in Punk's hometown now. Um, Dynamite opens up. John Moxley hits the streets and he comes out and says, hey, um, you know, this is this is my show. He basically very aggressive promo. I think, you know, we've seen Moxley kind of carrying the ball here for quite some time. But um, he, he said CM Punk folded last week. He, quote, curled up into a little ball to die. Um um, and he's, he basically apologized, said, sorry, CM Punk didn't turn out to be what you wanted him to be. And then, of course, ended mm -hmm. this section by opening up, saying he had an mm -hmm. AEW open contract up for grabs uh, because he is always a fighting champion. So coming out of the Chicago, Chicago crowd, getting lots of boos and really just tearing down CM Punk in a heel-like fashion. Um, I'll toss it over to you, Jimmy. Uh, what were your <laughs> thoughts on this opening promo? Very heel-like to me, but really curious yeah. your insider perspective here. No, no, it, it did lean very heavily on the heel side. It was interesting because when he first came out, as he was making his entrance, obviously the crowd was kind of split. You know, a lot, there were people that were kind of chanting along and liked them. But once he got on the mic and he started talking, that's when he got the crowd to really turn on him. And I think that was the whole idea here, because obviously CM Punk's his home. It's his hometown. He's in Chicago. They want him to be the cheered guy going into this match. And they want to have a clear cut someone, at least for this match, a heel. I don't know if that continues after Sunday, but at least for Sunday, John Moxley is the is the clear-cut heel, in my opinion, especially in Chicago. The one thing I did really like about this promo was the open contract, leaving it in the ring. Whoever wants it, come and get it. 
I, that, that was a little different and it kind of caught me off guard and it was kind of cool and seeing Ace Steel come out and grab it that's what made me think hmm you say little details add up Jimmy and I, the one thing as soon as I went out there I was like I'm thinking back to recent WWE booking in a WWE world, they would have left it out there, done like a 20-minute camera pan around it, and then cut to a commercial. I was glad Ace still came out and snatched, snacked it up real quick, right? Because um, you would think there's people in the back if this was a real, real-world locker room that are going to rush out there to grab it. So good bit of storytelling and having somebody actually come out and take that away. Issa, I know John Moxley used to be best friends with, you know, your one and only Roman Reigns. Now he's on the dark side of the force in AEW. Um, but speaking of dark side, this really did feel like Tony Khan wanted to make John Moxley carrying AEW on his shoulders for weeks. Now, um, the heel going into Sunday, did you like the promo? Do you hate John Moxley more as a result? Um, where do you land on all this? I loved, I love the John Moxley promos, no lies detected on the John Moxley promo, which kind of burned the crowd a little bit, but I don't think that some of the points that he was making were very valid. Um, so I like I like the there's something about Moxley that just always just seems so real. I remember his first shirt, I think he said unscripted violence, but that's the thing. He always feels unscripted. This feels like this is who this guy is. He's going to come out there and tell you how it is. And I, I appreciate it. I will point out, though, that I think this is the third or fourth week now that AW is opening with a talking segment, a long talking mm -hmm. segment where AEW always used to open with a hot match right off the bat. I got used to that. That is something in AEW's uh, structure of how they did their shows that I really enjoyed. Uh, the only criticism that I have here is that it went on a little too long. And to your guys' point, a lot of people should have came out there when that when that mm -hmm. contract was left on the floor. Not just Ace Steel. He should have been fighting people off for that contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that's, you know, there should have been a little bit of like a rush. I mean, I'm not saying like 24-7 title kind of chaos but um could have seen some more people come out there so uh you know what i i kind of I, I think to me because of that unscripted nature this promo felt like it really connected and i think if you had done this promo any of the previous weeks he might not have got the same reaction saving this for chicago made a lot of sense because mm -hmm. listen he really is CM Punk really is their hero. He is their lifeblood. We'll get to more of that here in a little bit. And so I think it was smart to save this edge of John Moxley. John Moxley's been edgy, but not quite this edgy in recent weeks. Mm -hmm. And tonight he really did. I mean, he, uh, again, some of these words, fragile ego, fragile body, weak mind, weak spirit, mm -hmm. and all of those things prey on what we've been hearing online for weeks, right? We've been hearing, Oh, CM Punk stirring up crap in the locker room. Everything's about him out there, right? That's why he called out hangman page. And so that element of truth, I think, really sold this. But I'll, I'll add one more thing before mm -hmm. we move on here. And I kind of want um, either one of you to jump in here. I like a wrestling show. I know we don't always want to open up with long talking segments, right? But a wrestling show that opens up with a story and a thread for the night, I always find really interesting. And I think back in like the 90s, the WWF did this a ton. Um, mm -hmm. You know, two, 2000s, 2010s, WWE especially, they'll open up with a talking segment that leads to a three-on-three -three main event that doesn't really matter. But this show opened up with a story that was still kind of a mystery that we were going to unbox throughout the rest of the night. Why is a steal out here? Who's going to take this contract? I like a wrestling show opens up and then that thread carries on. To me, that makes for more compelling television. Jimmy, I'll kick it over to you. I mean, were you more hooked because we picked up where we left off last week or should we have started with action tonight? Um, you can make a case for either point. I mean, it depends on what you open with. Uh, like that, the promo was great. 
So I'm fine with them opening with that promo and setting up something for later on. And if they opened up with a match, depending on what that match is or would have been, again, that could have worked as well. It just depends on what you put out there. And I think what they did put out there to start with, maybe a little bit long-winded, took a little bit longer than expected, uh, but I was fine with it. I, I didn't like that they didn't give it enough time between that and the next promo segment. Right. Which, which we'll get to. Right. And and just to jump on like on what Jimmy says and even on what I said, I like that they opened with this because that's what everybody was talking about last week. Ask me about last mm-hmm. week's show. I can't remember a match because of what happened between CM Punk and Mox and people saying we don't know the main event for all out. So why not just jump right into that? So I do I do give that, you know, just credit. It's just weird that they keep starting the show again with long in the promos because that's not an AEW thing. It wasn't for a long time. Now it seems to be becoming a thing. Sega Genesis jumping in here in the super chat saying AEW hot shotted the main event at all out to pop a rating with Punk reaggravating his foot, getting squashed in three minutes, unable to walk, only to a rematch in 10 days to be magically cleared win and make Mossy look like a fool. So um, Sega Genesis not happy with the booking. I think this is less relevant to this opening promo. So, Sega, I'm going to put your comment in the back pocket here. We'll come back to this in the overall booking of what has happened with this Mox Punk storyline. But I think there's an interesting call out, which is, does the story of tonight justify what happens last week? And I kind of want to come back to that question as we move on through the show here. I, I will um, say one thing um, before we continue. The energy yeah. that Mox gave up today, because you mentioned that this hasn't been like what we've seen from him in the last few weeks. The last few weeks, we were seeing a Mox that needed to be validated because he felt like a title placeholder kind of champion. He never felt like a legit champion. Last right. week, he made his statement as, I am the AEW world champion. And he came out tonight with that energy. And I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. You're almost saying that his win vindicated him last week, and therefore he was able to kind of come out and own that ring a little bit stronger and make. I think correct, it's a great, correct, great because he even said it. He said he hated when they called him the interim champ. And Jimmy, mm-hmm. Justin, and I talked about it every week. I always felt like he felt like a fake champ mm-hmm. because of the whole interim thing. And as soon as CM Punk came back, you know, you they they called him the world champ just to make sure that you knew that that Mox is not the real champ. So I like seeing him come out with the energy that that proves that he is the AW world champ. Yeah, uh, great call out. And, and you know, I, I think it's also, he also felt more jaded because of how much buzz has been put around Mox in the, in the time since Punk was supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of the chosen champion. Um, so I just, we'll get some more of this throughout the night because there's, again, this is the opening salvo of a story that's going to carry on for multiple segments, but um, mm-hmm. great insight there, Isa. So you mentioned it, Jimmy, we jumped straight from this one right into another major storyline segment, a major promo, major match for Sunday. Um, backstage, Chris Jericho getting interviewed. Um, he said, this is an all-out nightmare match for Brian Danielson. And he says, Owen and Stu Hart might appreciate Danielson's skills a little bit more, but they'd be more impressed by what Jericho has accomplished and all the accolades he's picked up in the ensuing years in the pro wrestling business. Daniel Garcia shows up, pledges his loyalty to the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, and he says, listen, I'm in your corner, and Jericho, you just got to be yourself on Sunday um, to get get the job done here. So kind of leading this into, of course, the match to come next, Brian Danielson versus Jake Hager on our opening contest. Uh, any thoughts on that promo? We see, you know, Garcia siding back up there with Chris Jericho and the Appreciation Society. Um, East, I'll kick it to you first. How are you feeling right now? Daniel Garcia coming out there to kind of, um, you know, support Chris Jericho in this promo. I mean, that, that's that's what 
you know, he said Jericho is his mentor, the Jericho Association Society, unfortunately, is still a thing. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they got to continue the story. You know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I thought the promo segments were good. I would have rather just get to the match. I, I want to ask you, Isa, I, I'd love your perspective on this. Jericho keeps doing the you're the best wrestler in sports. You're the best sports entertainer, right? That's his line for Garcia. Does that, how is a wrestling fan, does that, make you feel does it make you feel anything or does that seem like just okay we're playing with the words here but you know triple h is in charge now we can say wrestling again let's move on from this yeah yeah it doesn't make a big difference to me i i do agree that daniel garcia is more of a wrestler than a sports entertainer entertain him when it comes to the charisma and the aspect of his promos uh so maybe he is in the wrong stable jimmy any thoughts on the I, to me again the language here just feels like okay i see we're digging into this but Triple H's no, world now on the other side, so whatever, not, right? That's true, but at the same time, using that terminology, it it ignites that the AEW faithful, the diehards, the ones who have bought all in. You know what I mean? So he knows that it pushes their buttons, so he's going to continue to do so, and I don't blame him for doing it. And back to the promo, was the promo necessary at that time, especially since he was coming out on commentary for this match too? Sure. You know what I mean? He could have came out for commentary, have a have a quick little thing on the screen where, where Sammy, where, you know, it's a, does the apology and that's it. It's, it's almost like we don't need that extra effort because you can carry that weight into the match and do all the same work to tell that Jimmy, story. Right. Jimmy, how many, how many pounds of potatoes in, in a sack is five people in commentary? Please let me know. That is more than 20 pounds in a 10 pound bag. The, the bag has, <laughs> it, it has torn apart. I, I just want to go back to last week. The 10 pounds became 30 pounds around the time that we had a segment that was to build to a match at AW All Out, followed by a world title match, followed by a segment backstage to build to a match at All Out, followed by an in-ring promo to build a match at All Out in between two commercial breaks, right? Like, we just mm-hmm. got to get it all fit in there. And then we have how many bumpers in the lower corner to advertise upcoming things, right? And so. then and then what you have during the match is picture, uh, picture in, you know, in the corner for uh-huh. during the commercial break instead of going to an actual commercial break to separate these things. And that's one of the things that I was going to talk about later, but I will mention it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So to your point, we're jumping right in here to a match. And again, I think this is a match people are looking forward to. Danielson, Jake Hager, Mm -hmm. I think it's the right match to kick it off. This was, it did go to a picture in a picture, opened up Jake Hager getting the upper hand pretty early on, beat down Danielson. Um, Really kind of more of a brawl, goes Mm -hmm. to picture in a picture and comes back. Daniel Bryan kind of stands in firm control and hits a running knee to get the win there. So picture in a picture, I mean, we've, we've been going on AEW now for 30 minutes, right? Dynamite's been going. We got promo. We got opening promo. We got a match between two wrestlers. Jimmy, not a big fan of the picture in picture here, it doesn't sound like. No, it's 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 the timing of everything. It's how you structure your show. Sometimes you need to put those commercials in between segments as opposed to breaking up. I, yes, I get it. The match is uh, however long it was. And sometimes you have to go to commercial during a match. But a lot of times it feels like, you could better utilize that commercial break to separate segments. And I don't think they take advantage of that well enough. And I think that this match was one of them because I thought it was a good match. Yeah. Yeah. Issa, anything you want to add to the commercial break syndrome or what we're doing with matches here? Uh, Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think, I think sometimes it's just, I like what Jimmy had to say, the whole going to a real commercial break, just to kind of like take a breather before we go into, into, into it. Yeah. 
It just feels like at some point they were like, listen, we got to keep the viewers engaged. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we keep a wrestling match in between. And to me, it's not, that's a very nineties mentality. Like Buffy, the vampire slayer always had to end on a cliffhanger before commercial. So you'd come back from break and in the world of streaming and in the world of modern sports, and we have our phones in front of us. I want a story that's going to the whole hour is what you're engaging me for. When I sit down to watch this, I'll fill in the gaps myself. I don't need the wrestling to do it. That's my thoughts. No, you're not going to get an argument from this side of the fence. That's for sure. I don't need 20 pounds of potatoes. What am I going to do with all those damn potatoes? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Too much starch. Well, speaking of potatoes and too much starch, this match couldn't just end. We had to have a run in from 2.0. We had to have a run in. And and I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a little bit short. Mm -hmm. I always wonder, Jake Hager's one of those guys I'm surprised AEW hasn't done more with. Issa, I think you're a fan of Jake Hager here. Um, And I just feel like they've always under, he's he's been Jericho's corner guy. I get that. But always kind of under-delivered on the promise of Jake Hager. He's lean. He's tall. He's got a great look. Um... I don't know, Issa. I, I feel like Tony Khan should have done more with Jake. Maybe they'll give him a title yeah. run with Chris Jericho, but we deserve more from Jake, don't we? Uh, yeah, because I had an issue becoming invested in this match because it was predictable. As good as it was, mm-hmm. you knew Brian was walking away with the win because we don't do the cues, right? We just do the runnings after. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing. A lot of people say like, they don't do the cues in AW. Okay, but you also had the running, so they have a bad a bad habit as well. I, mm-hmm. I knew who was going to walk away victorious in this match, so made it a little bit difficult to be invested in the match. However, uh, Hager is very, very talented, and it just feels like you brought him in, you put him with Jericho, and that's all he's done. Mm-hmm. So we haven't gotten a chance to see what he can do on his own. Would I be curious about it? Yes, but it has to be, it has to be booked so perfectly and there's just so many people that have so much more momentum than Hager that their momentum has just completely flopped that makes you wonder how are you going to build that momentum for him at this moment you can't so you might as well keep him with what he's doing yeah. I don't know. I, I think Hager's Jimmy. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I wish we at least give him a mid card title run, right? Like we got the, the T TNT title over there. Well, here's the thing. We haven't seen him in action getting wins. You know, so, you know, uh, so this win by uh, uh, Brian Danielson, I almost call him Daniel Bryan, kind of, you know, it's hard, hard habit to break. Uh, but still, if it's someone who hasn't had a lot of wins. So the, the trick to that it, is if you just call him Brian, you're good either way. It's Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson. Just say, hey, Brian did that, right? You're good. Uh, I think I'm going to steal that. But yeah, see, so, so like Issa said, the outcome kind of felt predictable other than it could have been some kind of, shenanigans or something like that but uh, again uh, uh underutilized there's there's a, a lot of talent there in AEW because they are such a uh, I don't want to say bloated roster but they have a huge roster and a lot of talented people and individuals over there that are just there's no time for them just no time and and, and, and yes I get, here in just a minute yeah yeah go ahead no go ahead no, I was going to say, we're going to add one more here in just a minute, right? I do mm-hmm. want to add one more thing before we move away from this segment, though. I think mm-hmm. it's really important to call out. Ending of this segment, had the run-ins. We mentioned that already there. Mm-hmm. But it did end with Jericho ready to hit hit Brian <laughs> with the chair. Um, and Danny Garcia got up there, snagged it down, and that allowed Jericho to get a psycho knee uh, and hit Chris Jericho with it um, from Daniel Bryan. So, or Brian Danielson. Now you have me doing it, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> But my thought here is Danny Garcia kind of caught in the middle of these two. I think this is a big match for a lot of people because it's big names, uh, multi-time world champions on both sides. Mm-hmm. Garcia's kind of caught in the middle here. Um, Jimmy, I'll start with you here. 
the role that Garcia is playing being this in-between man, does it add to the story? Does it take away from the story? And, you know, where do you think he's going to end up in all of this? Uh, it does add to the story, but it's adding something that doesn't need to be there because you got two guys in Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson who don't need others to help tell a story. This is a first time uh, match between these two happening at this pay-per-view. There's your story. Two, two, two of the best to ever do this, having <clears throat> to face each other for the first time ever at a pay-per-view. There you go. And and I we're going to get the predictions later, and I have a feeling that Sammy's going to play a part in that match. But again, not necessary because regardless of who wins this match, they don't need uh, a third wheel, so to speak, to help them win or help them help the outcome of this match. Because whoever wins the match, the other person would not be hurt by it. Yeah, I mean, Issa, I'm, I'm with Jimmy on this. I think that like this should have been just two legends fighting each other. This could have been your co-main event. And I'm sensing a little bit of just from you, Issa, here. Too much, right? We're, we're, we're trying to boil too many of these potatoes that we packed into a 20-pound bag. Um, and really just some great promos maybe is what we wanted. Yeah, I, I was happy with what Brian and, and Jericho did last week to build this match. Honestly, I know there's not a lot of story, but I thought they cut an excellent promo. I thought bringing up, you know, the fact that this is the first time they're going to face each other on pay-per-view. I, I didn't need any of this to me. <laughs> Daniel Garcia right now, it just feels like someone who found a better friend. So he's just trying to get rid of the other one. You know, he's trying to be cool, join the Black Comeback <laughs> Club. So he's just trying to get rid of Jericho at this point. And, and that's, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what yeah, it is interesting. It, it seems like, you know, Garcia is kind of in the middle of this, and I don't know where they're going to go with him. I think there's a ton of potential, and I know he got a lot of buzz after those matches with uh, Danielson. But I, I just – is he going to end up in the middle of this, or are we going to move him into a Ring of Honor style? I know he's got a pure title match next week on Dynamite, I believe, and that seems like a great fit for where he is. So kind of curious about all this, but we'll get to predictions here in a little bit. Um, yeah. Speaking of a sack of potatoes, I can't say that. Um, that would be very mean to the wingmen. So we did uh, – <laughs> Go to a go to a break and come back from a break here. Um, and we had the wingman, who I am affectionately calling the Job Squad 2.0, um, coming mm -hmm. out here and complaining about not being booked. They were out there. They had picket signs. They were out there for maybe about five minutes, getting their piece in. And then out of nowhere, W. Morrissey, who has not been on Dynamite now in how long, right? Um, kind of made an appearance before, um, shows up, takes out every member of the wingman, um, and then Stokely Hathaway, who's been handing out these cards for weeks, shows up, gives Morrissey a card. And as they leave, Tony Schiavone corners them and says, what's the deal? And they refuse to explain what the deal is and kind of march out of there. So the implication coming from a, the announce team here was, hey, W. Morrissey has arrived and he is here. Uh, they they kind of alluded to he had a contract situation. I think Jim Ross said something like there's been rumors about his contract, but it feels like W. Morrissey is here. Jimmy, thoughts on this segment with the wingmen, or as I call them again, Job Squad 2.0? Well, that's exactly what they were in this case, that's for sure, because, uh, you know, Morrissey took out all four guys. And then, uh, you know, uh, Stokely came out, gave him the card. But if he's already signed, why would he give him the card? That the, Again, it, it, connecting dots, you know, you, sometimes you try to tighten the screws, but some, you, you, when you need two screws, you don't need that third screw in there to hold it in place. Uh, and that's what it felt like here with uh, Stokely handing him the card with them alluding to the fact that he may have already signed with him, especially when Tony Schiavone came out to talk to him and, you know, they had their little interaction. So, uh, you know, uh, 
wasn't a fan of how it was accomplished at the end there. Yeah, I mean, Issa, I'll kick it over to you here. You you saw the segment here with W. Morrissey. Does this make you more excited to see him in coming weeks, or was it kind of like it, for you, like it was for me? It was kind of a dud, I think, with everything involved in this. Set. Not that any of these individual actors are a dud, but the way they put this together. What's the point here, and what did it accomplish? Even with the wing, like if you're Morrissey, what's his character motivation for squashing these guys? I don't know, Issa. How did you feel? Yeah, it, it felt pointless to me. This is something that I maybe would have saved for the fallout and maybe for Grand Slam. Again, I keep saying they got a bill for Grand Slam. That's a big arena to sell out. I didn't think it was necessary to put on the AEW like all out go home show. It got it got a great reaction from the crowd, but it wasn't necessary. Leonard Jones out here postulating. I saw a theory that Stokely is recruiting for MJF, and I would love that. And and Jones, what I'll tell you is nine times out of ten, our fantasy booking fantasies, um, while they are delightful in our dreams, are not always the thing that comes um, comes to pass here. So, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Jimmy. I go back to what you said about the contract situation because it will come, come up again later with Andrade. There's this weird thing that it sounds like in AEW, if you're contracted to the company, you also contract to a manager. Is that how it works in the wrestling business? Um, <clears throat> I, I never had a manager, but I never—I wasn't a wrestler. I was a referee, so that's a little bit different. But, uh, uh, you, you know, not every wrestler needs a manager. That's right. You know? And not every wrestler needs a stable. And not every wrestler needs a trio's partner and tag team. <laughs> Exactamundo. Aye, aye, aye. Yes. aye, aye, aye. Well, I, I will say this. On a positive note here, I like to be a positive mm -hmm. person. I, okay. W. Morrissey, he's in great shape. Um, he can accomplish a lot. I'm already getting signs that he is the next Jake Hager, which is we've got a great looking big dude who can squash some people and we're going to use him as muscle. And um, again, cr crowded roster there. It's hard to get time for everybody, but maybe I should watch more episodes of AW Dark and maybe that's on me. So yeah. we'll see. <laughs> After the wingmen got squashed um, and our hopes and dreams got squashed it's a little bit more for any kind of uh, booking around him um, backstage, um, Will Ospreay was um, being interviewed and then um, they're, they're building up this big trios main event for the night. Um, big match. Don Callis shows up, of course, uh, formerly working with Kenny Omega um, and he praises Osprey's recent work, says, Osprey, you're not the next Kenny Omega. You're your own person. You're the first Osprey. And tonight's going to be the most exciting match since the last tag bout you shared with Omega, where you hit him with the one wing angel. Okay, Issa, we got Don Callis coming back from the land of the dead here to praise Osprey. Um, and also at the same time, build up this main event. Thoughts on the little promo here with Osprey, um, Don Callis, and the jab at Kenny Omega. It was great. I was very excited for the match. I thought this was this was awesome. It kind of hyped up the main event. I have forgotten what the main event was. And once I realized we were going to see United Empire and the Elite, it really hyped me up. So it did its work. Cool. Jimmy, Don Callis back in AEW doing a little more kind of schmoozing here. Are you a fan of Don Callis in this role or is it too much? No, I, do. I am a fan of a Don, Don Callis in this role. Again, but to be a little nitpicky, it seems like almost every backstage interview that happens, somebody comes in and interrupts, whether it's to praise, to take shots at, whatever the case may be. Why can't we? It's, it's like after every match, there has to be aftermath. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Same thing with their interviews, their backstage interviews. There has to be somebody that comes in and and, and says or does something. It, uh, as much as I like Don Callis and I like his role as that heel mouthpiece, that heel manager, that heel you know, persona that he, that he portrays, uh, which is very close to his actual character. Never mind. Um, <laughs> um, 
He, it, 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 again, was it necessary? Sure. You know? Don Callis can cut a hell of a promo, and I'm always happy mm-hmm. to see him kind of in this role there. But we just end up with, it's bookended by, and I, I, I'm with I'm with Issa. I like the fact that they're building and reminding us if you have it, if you tuned in for John Moxley, you got that. This reminds you why you're going to stay tuned in until the end of the show. Mm-hmm. We don't need commercial break picture and pictures, but we do need consistency across the booking for the entire two hours. I think this does that, but it's like we sometimes add subterfuge in here and to like stuff like this when the main event was going to sell itself without Don mm-hmm. Callis's help. So maybe what I'm hoping this will lead to more to come. We'll talk about the main event here in a minute, um, but. We'll see. It just Don Callis back in this role. Uh, more to come here. So, of course, our next bout was the bout designed to build up the uh, fatal four-way this coming Sunday for the vacant AEW Women's World title. We had Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. Uh, I think this was um, kind of one of those matches that's a tag team match. It went fairly quick, but um, we had a couple of great moments in there, mm-hmm. of course. Sheeta, Tony Storm get the win on Sunday. Um, I, I think really because a lot of people are anticipating a Britt Baker win this coming Sunday, and we got to make it seem believable that Sheena or Storm might win this. There's a lot of momentum behind Storm right now. Um, and I'm just, you know, it's interesting. We had kind of Ruby Soho in the same role maybe six months ago, and she didn't get very much traction. So, uh, Jimmy, I'll start with you here. Um, this women's match, Fatal Four Way, thoughts on the match or thoughts on the outcome here and the winners? Uh, a little bit of both. I'm looking forward to the fatal four way, but yeah, it's very interesting that uh, uh, Britt Baker was the one to get pinned in this one, because if you're talking old school mentality, uh, then she is the one who might uh, be the winner on Sunday in some form or fashion. But that being said, you know, sometimes AEW does some unconventional stuff and maybe they will do that in this women's match, but I'm glad that they didn't put this on right before the main event because that's yeah. the usual slot for the, <laughs> the women yeah. in AEW. I thought the match was fine. The, the women worked really hard. I'm just glad nobody on commentary said, uh, they're facing each other in a four-way on Sunday. Can they coexist? Can they get along? You know. <laughs> we did have that rule of opposite. You're right. The rule of opposite momentum was in play there, where the person who loses next to the pay-per-view in the go-home show ends mm-hmm. up winning on Sunday. Or if you win, you never want to win on the Monday Night Raw before WrestleMania. <laughs> That's the worst time to win, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Isa, I want to kick it over to you, but I want to ask you a slightly different question. You can talk about the match, what you thought about it, but really, some of the commentary here um, talking about Sheeta's look and appearance, there were some like. I want to say this the right way because I'm going to get hate mail for saying this, but this is the only focus of the women for the night. This one segment really. And Jim Ross is not always the most adept at handling women that he doesn't know as much about in a W right. Um, I think that's the best way to put it. So thoughts on the match, but also in general, what's your thoughts on the way that a W commentary has been handling some of these women's matches? (laughs) I mean, it's it's not my favorite thing. The, the entire booking of the women's in AEW is not my favorite thing. I do give them a shout out. It's been a couple of weeks now that the women have been put in different time spots after we saw them always go on at the same time week after week. Um, it is their responsibility to give Shira this win. I was more I was more shocked by who got pinned, but mm-hmm. Shira was a former AEW World Champ, and you made her disappear for TV forever. So it is your job to to make her look like a credible contender because everybody else we have seen being involved here somewhat. Sheeta just kind of went away and we didn't know what happened. So I was very happy that they put an extra effort here to to remind you that she is a credible threat here. Uh, 
but it felt it did feel very WWE booking, right? Like, who takes the pin? Should I pay attention on Sunday? And also, these women are in a fatal four way. Let's throw them in a match the, the night before. So you remember that felt very old WWE style booking, but it was good. It was good to see Sheeta underrated, and and, and I'm, I'm glad that they gave her that rub tonight. I don't know that she's winning on Sunday now, but I'm glad to see her shine tonight. I am. Um, I'm. I'm really happy that we're getting these four women on Sunday, and hopefully this match is going to deliver. I know the talent is there, right? If they're given the time and given the right structure, it should be great. I am disappointed. I feel like I'm the only one who's disappointed by this, but I was really enjoying Thunder Rosa's women's title run, and I thought she was a great addition. Just something. Not nothing against Britt Baker. She did phenomenal. She built and carried that division on her shoulders. But I really would have liked to have seen. Thunder Rosa defend this title the, the right way. And um, I'm just bummed that she didn't get to get there because I always felt like she was right on the cusp of breaking through and they never really fully gave her her comeuppance. I don't know how y'all felt, but that was always kind of my take on Thunder Rosa. No, that's a, that's a very fair point. And, and that seems to be an issue, not just with Thunder Rosa, with other talents as well, where they, uh, I don't want to say drop the ball, but they kind of miss the boat a little bit with uh, mm-hmm. how they should be presented. Yeah, common, I think Thunder Rosa theme. was more fun as a chaser than she was as a mm-hmm. champion, but that's just the bookings. Uh, the mm-hmm. booking of her title reign was not the best, right. in my opinion. And to give a counterpoint here, Dinosaur Martin thinks, um, I am looking way too far into talking about the commentary. And mm. I'm not just, I'm not saying it's bad every time, but there are times, and I'm just, mm. I hate to call it Jim Ross. He's a he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest to ever do it, right? Uh, but just sometimes... He makes me a little bit uncomfortable in these women's matches. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. So let's not let's not beat beat this up too much here, um, because we got something else we're going to beat up, and that is a beaten up CM Punk. Of course, there was a video mm-hmm. package hyping up the All Atlantic title match on Sunday. Um, I'm sure you'll see that again on Sunday as well. But let's talk about the cornerstone of this show. CM Punk came out to address what happened to him last week whenever he lost that title. In just a couple of minutes here. Um, interesting start here. He had to, um, he's kind of beaten down. He caught out a fan right in the front row. I think they were heckling. What I saw online was maybe that fan was trying to start a Colt Cabana chant. Um, and CM Punk said something along the lines of, um, what was it here? Um, he takes a shot of fan claiming he has more screws in his foot than how many times that fat guy has been screwed. <laughs> And then he kind of paused and said, maybe I shouldn't have said that. So a little faux pas there, Jimmy, when you're, you, you've been inside the business here, when a wrestler goes a little bit off kilter like that, what's the reaction like backstage? Uh, It's, it's, it's a mixed reaction. A lot of guys will pop. And then a lot, a lot of guys will say, why are you going to let this guy get under your skin? You know what I mean? It's just, uh, you know, uh, just forget about it. It's one guy. And what you just did was give this one guy attention to, However, you know, hundreds of thousands of million people watching on television. So this guy got what he wanted. He got his uh, 30 seconds of fame, for lack of a better term. And I'll kick it to you, really, just because this is just an interesting thing to happen. Isa, the thing that bothered me about it is he called it. I, I don't mind the fact that he addressed the heckler. Do it, man. Like, you're in the ring. Like, call somebody out. He called him that fat guy. And just a little bit of body shaming there. I mm-hmm. think that's the piece that rubbed me the wrong way because – call them a lot of things but this 2022 we ain't got a body shape people right we're all different shapes and sizes you know 
Yeah, I, I still popped. I, that might have been the only thing I enjoyed about this, but we'll get into that. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, let's break down what happened, and then I want to get to your thoughts on this, Issa, since you did not like it, because I, I dug the hell out of it. So Punk kind of downtrodden, kind of, you know, got that sullen puppy look, said he feels like he let everybody down. He doesn't know if he's good enough yet anymore. Um, and then a steal from the beginning of the night, had that contract, came back out, slapped CM Punk. So this is not the promo we talked about. This is not what we agreed to. A Steel cut a fiery promo. Now, I know half the audience is like, who in the heck is A Steel? Um, but they told the story in the ring, right? A said, hey, listen, I've been with you since the beginning. I trained you, brought you up in the business. They've always counted you out. And CM Punk had built some of that into his promo as well, right? Kind of that, you know, where he came from in his roots. A Steel came out there, slapped him around, dropped an F-bomb on live TV. So those rumors about Warner Brothers wanting them to cut back on language, I guess, maybe don't apply tonight. Mm -hmm. um, and then got punk fired up and this is the part where i really popped punk cut in my opinion a fiery promo a hell of a promo something that was just i am chicago this is why i'm here this reminds me of who i am they've been trying to kill me since the day i was born um i was born you know with the with an umbilical cord around my neck and they haven't been able to do it um and he charges up the fans and he says i am the heartbeat of chicago um and he says at All Out, Moxley, you can break my bones or drink my blood because they are Chicago. And he and he's with the fans now, pulls out the paper, signs it. He gets a fan to hold his microphone while he signs this, which I thought was hilarious for that expensive piece of tech. And the crowd goes crazy, except for Issa. Issa, why did you not like this fire? I loved it. I mean, obviously, it goes to show that CM Punk cracks under pressure. Like, it, it only took a little bit of peer pressure for him to change his mind. I did appreciate uh, him saying, like, that's not what we planned you were going to say, just because I felt like that was a hint to the inside jokes about CM Punk cutting promos that are not clear by backstage. Um, CM Punk started his promo talking about how he broke his bone on June 1st and ended his promo talking about how his bones don't break. Make it make sense. I, I you know... Jimmy, I think we got a divisive panel here. Where do you, you're the dividing vote here. Like it, not like it. How'd you feel about the segment? I like the second half of the segment where he got fired up and, and cut that promo. I don't think that that whole sullen CM Punk coming out and looking dejected and all that. So I don't think that was necessary. I think he would have gotten over bigger as a the big time hometown babyface if he'd have come out on fire, cut that fiery promo and just go straight into it. And guess what? Uh, guess what I happen to have? And then pull out of his back pocket the contract. You know what I mean? And sign it right there. I don't know. I just, again, a lot of stuff that I don't think was necessary. And uh, it just, it's, again, it didn't add anything to the story to make me want to tune in on Sunday. It, it, it was tough. It's going to be tough to do that anyways, because they, they did what they did last week. CM Punk is not an underdog. He's CM fucking Punk. Stop playing the underdog. Feel sorry for me. I'm going to make it happen mm. for you, Chicago. You're not. You're CM Punk. You're yeah. the biggest name they have backstage. You're the biggest contract they've signed. Act like it already. <laughs> yeah. It felt like they decided to change the story they were telling about two weeks ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we had a very clear direction. The promos that Mox and Punk were giving is, hey, we're going to unify these titles at all out. That's the build. And then at one point, Punk called out Paige, which was like, hey, that's a little bit weird, but we'll, we'll rock and roll with it. Last week was where and then they made that announcement. If you remember after Punk's promo, we're going to do the unification on Dynamite. And I thought looking back on it, I like tonight. I, I, I agree with you, Issa. I think it's weird to have Punk in the underdog role. 
I like yeah. the fire and brimstone. I like the, you're not mm-hmm. going to break my bones. I am strong. I am Chicago because he is the baby face on Sunday. And that crowd is going to, yeah, but... it feels like a recrowning, but you no, know, no. Two weeks ago, he came out and he completely undermined Moxley. And Moxley showed him exactly what the mistake that he made. So for him to come out and feel sorry for himself and then have to get hyped up by a crowd and a buddy, mm-hmm. instead of saying that he was embarrassed by what happened to him next week and he was going to prove who he is, that's what he should have said. At no point he right. mentioned Mox. At no point he mentioned that he got squashed. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I want to see you talk about. Talk about how embarrassing it was for you, not mm-hmm. about, oh, this is Chicago and I'm going to like the heartbeats and my bones don't break. Then why the fuck did they put 16 plates on your foot, bro? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think thing. I'm just not... what de- derailed us. You know what I mean? I think it was that thing last week where we did this weird, and I, I'm not, I don't I have no knowledge on this, right? Mm-hmm. I believe we did the match last week because it pumped, uh, popped a rating, right? How do you get a rating for that week? And we did crest back above 1 million. I don't know that for a fact, but the way it was put in the show and everything kind of last minute. But the story is Chicago Punk winning back his title in Chicago mm-hmm. versus John Moxley, who's been carrying AEW for months. In front of a Chicago crowd, it's a little bit of babyface versus babyface here, but it's really a chance for us to, after Punk's injury, reestablish him as the guy who can carry this promotion because that's what Tony Khan believes. And um, I like tonight. I thought last week was just a weird diversion we didn't really need, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's, nothing more I could add to that. Corey Fry jumps mm-hmm. in here. Um, um, he says, Punk loses in two minutes because he's injured and is supposed to challenge for the title 10 days later. Ten uh, Worst build ever. Tony Khan yeah. is not getting my $50. So he is one of the ones who believes to, this bill does not help. To Corey's point, I, I felt like, and, and I know, I, I feel people are all going to have different opinions. And that's why I love talking wrestling like here, for example, because you get so many different perspectives and point of views. Mm-hmm. But at one point I was like, okay, not knowing who Mox is going to face. It's awesome, you know, like, and then I was like, if, if they're doing all of this for a CM Punk rematch, then announce it tonight, right? If they would have left it a surprise because Moxley was facing somebody else, then I think that would have been great. So announcing the rematch, I guess I can I can follow that story here, but it just feels like, okay, what did we do all of this for? <laughs> you know, it just feels very, it's a lot of back yeah. and forth here on this one, but I just wish that... Uh, I would have liked a more acknowledging of what Moxley did and how he's going to correct his wrongs going into Mm -hmm. Sunday as opposed to what he did because that punk underdog promo, I love you, Chicago, and I love the fans Mm -hmm. things, it's just not the thing for me. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm not from Chicago. This means nothing. Yeah, it wasn't very pipe bombish, that's for sure. Sure. I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think a Puerto Rican would have cut that promo. They would have said, like, he, he mm-hmm. embarrassed me, and I'm going to do the same thing right back to him. So, <laughs> <laughs> Here in North Carolina, we'd have been like, let me grab the door for you as you embarrass me on the way out. So um, Corey also came in with the super chat earlier and said, Punk boy, Punk's boy drops an F-bomb, and TNT execs told him to stop cussing. They're going to get pulled off TV. And I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. I was surprised it wasn't beeped, but um, – yeah. Don't think so. We'll see what happens there. All right, here. I know uh, we got lots more to get to here, so I want to keep us moving here because they're still not done with the Moxley story yet. But um, we did have kind of one of the other cornerstones of this pay-per-view in a pre-taped backstage interview. So this is different, Jimmy. It's not the same kind of interview. Mm -hmm. It's actually the um, Rock versus Austin interview from 2001 with Jim Ross right in the middle. We just have Christian Cage and Jungle Boy here. Um, They agree to no physicality. Um, Christian says, you know, Jungle Boy, you're not in my league. And, um, you know, Jungle Boy talked about how um, he felt loved by Christian, um, but knows that this is the real Christian all along. Big takeaway here, 
Jungle Boy says on Sunday he is going to be fighting as Jack Perry because his father taught him how to be a man here. Mm-hmm. So, Jimmy, um, you were around when that Rock Austin promo happened, and this is what this reminded me of. What did you think about the sit-down backstage? No, I, I did like it, The fa- but here's the thing. We talked about this earlier. This happened right after that all big, huge CM Punk thing without a break in between. They went right into that. So there wasn't time to digest the Punk thing. People were still concentrating on that, and then they went straight into this. So now what am I supposed to focus on? I'm supposed to be pumped about the whole CM Punk uh, you know, signing the contract, and he's going to be back on Sunday. But I'm supposed to get fired up about Christian and and jack perry now not jake perry not jungle boy Uh, it's just it's too much to swallow all at once they should have let some time breathe come back with this uh after a commercial break and i would have enjoyed it a lot more yeah especially considering the fact that jungle well he's now jungle man uh jungle boy and christian (laughs) had the best story going into this they do have a story that has been bleeding for a couple of months now like they have actually built this so i feel like they put him in a very unfair time spot felt very uh ricky starks last week when you put him cut one of the best promos he's cutting aw dynamite but you put him after the squash match nobody was talking about it when i thought ricky starks did an excellent job on that promo it it happened this week with jungle boy and christian and i wish it would have put at a different spot because this match actually has a storyline going into all out as as opposed to 90% of the card. Well, and and I think the one thing it also has great points, Issa, around and and Jimmy around the time slot and the long-term storytelling, Issa. I think all those things are fantastic. It also has got a future here. And we talk about Jungle Boy as one of the AEW originals. And this is an evolution for him. Uh, Christian Cage is fantastic. We know that he's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer, all those things. But this is him kind of giving that platform. And even a, a year ago, Christian Cage is the Impact World Champion facing Kenny Omega, like a main eventer, giving this platform to Jungle Boy as a singles wrestler. And we're seeing his character evolve into Jack Perry. We can kind of see what could be next for Jungle Boy in AEW as a singles wrestler. But it does get overshadowed by everything else around it. And I, I just <laughs> think that's important. It does not get overshadowed by the next match, though, because that next match, FTR and Wardlow versus Silas Young, Ren Jones, and Vic Caffrey, only goes about 90 seconds, I'm guessing. Um, FTR and Wardlow get the win. Wardlow, of course, um, nails a powerbomb to get the win for his team. Quick match here, just kind of putting over FTR and Wardlow. Open it up to either one of you who wants to go first. Any thoughts on this 90-second match? No, not really. I will just jump in here and say it was an enhancement match, and that's all it was, to show that uh, they are a formidable team and they can work together. Dig it. I, I like never, FTR ever, and Wardlow ever. as a team. I'm sorry, Issa. No, it's okay. I was just going to say I will never, ever, ever complain about seeing Wardlow on my TV mm-hmm. every Wednesday. However, I hate that they're on a six-man tag. I, I, like, you have FTR should be contending for their acting championships right now. They've been number one in the rankings for months, and Wardlow you killed his momentum with this whole MJF story going into double or nothing. Warlow should have a significant feud for this TNT title that doesn't get defended on pay-per-view. The TNT mm-hmm. title is now the intercontinental title. It never gets defended on pay-per-view. And I just feel like it's, a, it's an injustice to all three of these men because a single match for Warlow and, mm-hmm. and FTR doing something else will probably sell more pay-per-views than this six-man tag. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I I agree with all of the points around them being challenging for the F, number one in the rankings. What do the rankings even mean anymore? But I gotta say, I kind of dig. If we're talking about a trios division here, FTR and Wardlow make a hell of a trios team, don't they? Like they seem like the team that could no, no, unseat no. 
even the elite. No, no. Warlow has been what? a part of a faction his entire career. You give him a singles title, give him a singles run. This could be the future of your company, and you're ruining him by putting them in little factions. First, he had NJF. Then you had the Pinnacle. Now you have him with FTR. Let him shine on his own. That man is money, and they're just like missing out on it. Good call. He's in me. Fire and ice right here. Me and you, Isa. We're fire and ice. I love you. Just kidding. <laughs> Jimmy, were you want to add something in there real quick? No, there's nothing more to add because, again, that's what it's all about is creating big stars. And big stars do not have to be part of a group. I agree. We don't need a faction for everybody here. No. Um, you, you look at the, wanna, really quickly here, if I can. Yeah. You look at some of the biggest stars ever. You look at The Rock. Where did he start off? He got he made a name for himself in the nation, but guess what? By himself, he became one of the biggest stars ever. That's just one example. There's others too. Yeah. Well, you need to break away to become a single. Sometimes you're introduced in that way, but you can't always do that. Look when at the you're shield. One person in the shield. A group you broke up the yeah. shield, and guess what? All three of them became main eventers in WWE. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with putting Warlow in this in these factions to begin with. I just think that Warlow is not in that place anymore Warlow should be a single stars and not only that you 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 sabotage him when he had the most momentum going because of this whole backstage mjf storyline that took that took precedent over his big win at double or nothing and you have done nothing to rectify for that after double or nothing and it's just it's just a it's, it's a sad reality that we're living in with, with Warlow because mm -hmm. i do think that Warlow could be a world champ he could be the face of that company if they push him the right way you got lots of agreement in the chat room. We got Preach Isa by Wayne, Ricky mm -hmm. Zaldivar saying, Isa, she right? And agreeing with you, um, Wardlow needs a big star by himself and face a big star over in AEW. Mm -hmm. And lots of people saying, hey, Wiseman is off his rocker. And hey, listen, this is a joy of pro wrestling, right? It's an art form. We can discuss it. Yes. We can have fun with it. And mm -hmm. I love it so much. So thank y'all both. And if where the chat room mm -hmm. is open, Super Chat's open, please, everybody, get your comments in there. And we'll get to um, as many as we can. Mm -hmm. We get the concluding segment after this uh, tri uh, trios match in the CM Punk John Moxley story. Moxley comes out um, and he says, um, "If that's what their boy wants, well, that's what he's going to get." Right? He says, um, <laughs> "We're going to. He's going to. Punk is going to go out in a shield in front of his fans. We owe Chicago that much." Confirms the match for Sunday and says, "Punk needs a miracle to win." He threatens a display of violence that Punk has never experienced and says he will show him what a real champion looks like right before his eyes. So Punk comes out, I mean, not Punk, Moxley comes out, ends this back and forth, fiery promo from Moxley to conclude this. Match is settled for Sunday. Um, Jimmy, I'll start with you here. Moxley sending it home, right? Here's what we're going to for All Out. What, what are your thoughts on this concluding promo? No, it was fine. But again, it, it, maybe... Uh save that to go off the air with. I don't know. I mean, I, it didn't better. do it. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't do anything to entice me to watch it any more than I already, how I feel already. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I it was great, uh, but it wasn't necessary. It didn't. Uh, once punk signed the contract, that's it. I don't need anything else to add on to it. You, you made it official. Uh, I like what Max had to say, but this was something that I didn't feel needed the TV mm -hmm. time. It kind of felt like we needed to give a reason for Moxley to get the last word in again. And it, it, it again, feels like Tony Khan is booking Mox to kind of be the yes and character in this story. Like, oh, Punk's getting all the attention. I got to say something. I, I liked what Punk said. I like what Moxley said. The contract was signed. Let's move on. I think you could have told the story after that. Um, it's a bit much. I do like been, it could have been a rampage. Could have been a rampage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There you go. Could have been a backstage segment and 
FTR could have walked up, could have formed a new faction. You never know. Anything is possible, right? Just get some new teams out there. Um, James Curtis, let's hope they don't make it an exploding barbed wire death match. LOL. The implication of violence. I would love a hardcore match between these two on Sunday. I would love something different. Let's toss a step in there, but no barbed wire exploding death matches. Again. Or we call those sparkler matches in AW. Is that what they are? Yeah. I guess. Oh, mama mia. Um, you know, you know what's sad? The- you know what's sad that that's what that match is remembered for when before the fake explosion? That was a hell of a match. Omega mm-hmm. and Mox killed it. Mm-hmm. And some great storytelling, too, right? Because that was where Eddie Kingston came out and he yeah. was protecting well, I mean, his best friend. The whole thing. The whole thing. I didn't yeah. like it. I'm talking about the match itself until the whole ending and the countdown started. Mox and Omega put on an incredible match and it just doesn't get talked about enough because of the, you know, pyro failure of, you know, what happened. We got a backstage segment after uh, Moxley clarifying this match. Um, Dark Order said that 10 is out of action. Um, Evil Uno was going to step in, but then again, shockingly, somebody walks in off screen and Drade El Idolo comes in, beats up Uno um, and um, it says, um, you know, attacks, attacks Uno. <laughs> After mm-hmm. threatening to, again, sign 10 to a contract. Again, contract situations are weird in AEW right now. So we're building up Dark Order getting broken down here. Uh, Jimmy, start with you here. Dark Order getting taken apart. Backstage segment. Any thoughts on this? Best thing that could happen. Just break them up. Just just go break with it. Uh, it's, again, this is a something that was felt like it was squeezed in there that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. You could have given that time to something else that... that pertain to Sunday. Just mine. Mm-hmm. Isa, a big fan of Dark Order here, or are we kind of moving on from them? Oh, not at all. I like I like the hangman. Uh, it's going to be joining them, but I, I was offended by what they had to say about Andrade. Andrade, look at that man. He doesn't wear sheep cologne. Like that was that was a stupid shot to take <laughs> at him. I, I I interview him. I trust me. That's that's expensive designer cologne Andrade wear. So don't don't take that shot. And why would you give the money back? Like that was a stupid move. I get that you gotta be a baby face, but if somebody gives you money, you take it and you still say no, you don't throw the money back. Like, what was that? Well, when you're in AWC, the contracts and salaries are so much better. That's what they're trying to. This is subtle storytelling. You've got to read in between the lines, Isa. Tony Khan is saying, "Listen, we don't need extra money." There's no, there's no reading between the lines when money's involved, Michael. I'm sorry, <laughs> like you that. don't you don't give that money back. Come on. <laughs> I had a conversation with my wife earlier today about like what I would do for twenty bucks, and I'm like, oh, "Listen, I'm okay. Like I'm doing fine in life, but for twenty bucks, I will go out of my way still to get twenty bucks." Um, you, you mentioned it, Issa. Let's jump ahead here. You said you're a fan of this. After the next match, there was a segment clarifying Paige is going to be the third man in this trios match on Friday alongside John Silver, Alex Reynolds. Of course, they're taking on the best friends. You mm-hmm. are a fan of Paige being the third man in this uh, this match on Sunday, right, Issa? I'm a fan of it if it ends up being the finals against the Elite. If that's not the finals that we end up getting here, just because of the storyline between Hangman and the Elite and the Young Bucks going to Hangman, trying to get them get him to be their third, and he said no and joining the Dark Order, I think there's a story that could be told here if that is the finals that we see on the trio's title. So we still got to stay tuned here, but I think that's where this is going. They've got to win on Friday, don't they, Jimmy? It's got to be Bucks versus Page and the Dark Order, right? That's got to be our Sunday match. Yeah, I, I would think so for the exact reasons that Issa gave, and it, it makes total sense. If it goes the other way, then uh, you know I, you've lost me. I'm sorry. Sure. sure. Jr. Smith agrees with you, Issa. That's right. Cash is king. Everybody, you get mm-hmm. lots of love tonight in the chat, Issa. Mm-hmm. I love the chat. making lots love. of solid points. It seems like <laughs> love right back to the chat today. 
let's talk for a minute about this Dante Martin, Ray Phoenix, Roosh, Wheeler, Yuta match, and then we'll get to the main event here. Um, a fatal four way, really, I kind of think to hype up the, um, you know, the open, the ladder match that we're going to have to, to nail a number one contender down. Um, but this match was a lot of fun. It was very kinetic. Lots of things happening. Um, I want to start with thoughts on the match, Jimmy, and then I have a follow up question for you. But um, yeah, kind of a lot of chaos from these high flyers here. What do you think about the match? It was exactly what I expected, a complete spot fest. And you know what I mean? It, once you once you set your mind to it and say, hey, this is what I'm going to get. So let me see what they do and and try to be in, entertained by it. Not my particular favorite type of match, but uh, kind of what I expected. The guys worked their butts off. Don't get me wrong. You know, but it just none of it made sense. From a, well, from I'm, a I'm glad psychology standpoint. Yeah. I, because here's what I want to ask you about. As a referee, we had Aubrey Edwards there. She does a fantastic job for AW. There's a lot of chaos around her. And I know as a referee, you're kind of always doing the minutia in there, right? You're breaking this up. You're calling people out. Mm -hmm. A couple of times I saw her kind of looking around at all the chaos and kind of standing back. How do you navigate as a referee a match like this with, which, as you said, a kind of a lot of spots happening, um, mm -hmm. not a ton of psychology. What's your mentality going into a four-way or a, not a, a spot fest? such as this four-way match was? Uh, try to find out as best you can, as much as you can, what is going to happen in the match, whatever they have uh, designed. Uh, sometimes, you know, they're like old school guys would call some of the stuff out there. Hey, we'll do this and see where it goes from there. But I would try to hear and listen to them go over the match and then uh, ask questions. Where would you like me to be during this thing? What would you like me to do during this? And stuff like that. And sometimes... Um, Guys would say stuff that doesn't make sense, like you said, from a psychology standpoint. And thanks to people like Eddie Guerrero, who got me, gave me the courage and the and the confidence to step up to politely say, "Hey, listen, guys, that doesn't kind of make sense. What do you think about this?" And maybe even suggest an idea every once in a while, you know. And uh, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you do what the what they want you to do, and or and the producer says, you know, just do it. Uh, Genesis, Sega Genesis up here, not letting it go that Andrade was in that backstage segment. Um, can someone, for the love of all that is holy, explain to me why the mere thought would even cross Andrade's mind to hire the Dark Order, all to get Paige into this tournament? This was panicky storytelling. Issa, what do you think here? Was it right? Is this all just a panicky storytelling? Is the Dark Order, Hangman Page stuff too much, too little? Do you agree with Genesis or not? I mean, the, the, the including of I left as soon as I read the Super Chat before you even brought it up because, mm -hmm. I I mean, Sega Genesis have a valid point here. I mean, that's what we're going to use to get to Paige. I'm excited to see Paige team up with the Dark Order. However, you know, you could have done it differently, but you got to keep Andrade on TV. I do believe he's part of that ladder match, uh, if I'm not mistaken here, at All Out. So putting Andrade on TV as well just feels like there's different ways that things could have been done. But we... we it's a weird story, right? It's a it's a weird route to take, but we got to where we needed to get with it. And of course, because uh, his name did come up, um, Ricky's out of our rest in peace, yes. Eddie Guerrero. I know a lot of us um, have very fond memories of his days. Um, so with that, we'll move right into the main event here. I think this was a, a, a hot main event. I think it went through, it was about 30 minutes long, if I recall correctly, 25 minutes, went through two commercial breaks. Um, we had Will Ospreay, um, and, uh, Kenny, uh, will Ospreay in the Aussie open versus, um, 
the elite and this match was all over the place. And what I will say without breaking down every segment and everything that happened, um, uh, Osprey had a pretty sweet move early on in the match that I just got to call out the sky twister press where he was Mm -hmm. in the top and he's so long. He just looked phenomenal when he flipped through it. Uh, But I think the thing that stuck out to me about this match was there was a point where I felt like Will Ospreay's team was going to walk away with the win. And my Mm -hmm. mind was blown. I was like, the elite's going to lose this. And um, I think it was, uh, was it Nick Jackson who was taking the pin at that point, kicked out of the very last second. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, okay, wow, they had me there. And to me, that is great. To me, pro wrestling is, it's a storytelling machine. You tell stories, and then you tell stories inside of the match. Jimmy's giving me the no, 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 no. <laughs> no, that, no, no. I, I, I get where you're coming from. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, that kickout should should not have happened. That should have been a save by one of his teammates because mm-hmm. there's one of the issues I was having in this match was stuff like that that should have been a save. There was a moment in the match where they were fighting outside, and uh, one of the Bucks did a uh, tornado DDT to Osprey on the floor. Outside, yes, I know there's a pad out there, but it still is on the outside of the ring. He throws him back into the ring, goes to do that twist, and he puts his knees up, and, and less than 30 seconds later, Osprey's barely selling the fact that he took a tornado DDT on the floor. You know, th- that's the stuff that kind of bothers me in this stuff. Fighting outside, for they, they fought up the ramp, they fought up, they, well, because it's a trios match, there's no countouts all of a sudden. Like, it, again... You know, I have an issue sometimes with the officiating or the rules not being enforced. Let's just put it that way. That's your right, though. You And it, it's all great call-outs, right? Because these are the kind of things that you kind of get caught up in the moment, and it's exciting, and it feels fun. But at the end of the day, pro wrestling is supposed to make us believe and uh, suspend our belief, right? Like, we know that when you get tossed into the ropes, like, you don't actually automatically run backwards. It takes a person to do that. But when a match is designed and built the right way, um, it, it should make us forget those little things. And I do think this style of wrestling does tend to be a little bit less believable because they don't sell things, correct? But the, but, but the one thing I did enjoy from Will Ospreay today, uh, yes, he can, he's incredible. He can do some stuff mm-hmm. that just blows your mind. It's just in, unbelievable what he could do. But there was a point in the match where he got a little – testy and vicious mm. where you know like the where he ripped off the shirt from kenny yes getting that was one of my favorite parts that you know i saw a different side to him something we don't usually see from him besides the twisting burning 450 hammer phoenix splash you know what i mean we saw a little bit of a vicious side to will uh tonight and i, I like that very much you can do the other stuff but at the same time you know space in other features and, and that right. that really impressed me tonight that he, right. that he has that in him King King uh, uh, King Key eight six four trio matches don't need no stinking rules or logic or storytelling. Come on, Jimmy. Oh wait, <laughs> we got the storytelling though. We got some viciousness. We got some shades of different characters inside of the match to tell more things. Okay. Issa, you you like the moment with Osprey? What do you think about the match and uh, the I, internal storytelling I, here? I first of all, I just want to say that I absolutely love podcasting with Jimmy because he brings out some point of view that you just think about when you're watching my whole different that really makes you sit back and think that being said because i'm not a professional referee i love this match as a matter of fact i believe if we weren't getting paid with the dark order this should have been the finals this was a pay-per-view worthy match in my opinion could have been the finals would have probably hyped me up and would have made the all-out card feel bigger but the possibility again the story with hangman i think 
is more important at this point. I thought this match was perfect. I thought it was the best thing on the show wrestling-wise. And Will Ospreay is absolutely incredible. I wasn't very familiar with him. And AEW, that's a character that AEW has done an excellent job at introducing, you know, to people that are more casual. And he's just, it's incredible the thing that he does. And to Jimmy's point, there was a lot of talking about Kenny Omega's not 100%. Kenny Omega came back too soon. And seeing the United Empire just kind of like pick on that because at one point you're feeling like, oh my God, they're really trying to destroy Kenny Omega here and expose him, taking off the shirt just to see him just be so wrapped up, all the things that he's wearing. You you make Kenny Omega look vulnerable. Kenny freaking Omega. I, I love the storyline, like the storytelling in this match. I thought it was absolutely incredible. Yes, there were some spots in there that Jimmy mm-hmm. is right. But I mean, the Young Bucks and Omega... When we talk about them, are they really known for selling? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I, Uh. I think that call out about Kenny Omega, and he has a different look now, right? Like, of course, he's been on injury, but taking off that shirt, showing the bandages, he was a combat machine before. He was a world champion before, and now he's a broken down man. And again, we're feeding into the rumor mill online, right? Like we've heard for months, is he going to be able to go? Is he going to be the same Omega? And they're kind of delivering that to us on AEW TV. And it's it's a good little twist there, I think. Go ahead. And you have the, you have the, the, there was a couple of interviews that he did while he was still out on injury, talking about Mm -hmm. how hard this recovery was. Omega Mm -hmm. has said in interviews that if he suffers an injury this big again, he might not wrestle anymore. So it just puts you in a perspective that well, number one, I want to see all the dream matches that I can get from Omega because you never know, right? But number two, it puts you in that perspective where you're just, I don't, I don't want to compare it, but I, I would always feel that way about Brian just because of what we know Daniel Bryan went through. Every time he wrestles, I just watch like this, as good as he is, any spot that he takes, you just like cringe. And, I'm, and, I, and I got there tonight with, with what they were doing with Kenny Omega, and I appreciated that storytelling. Yes. I'll call it the super chat, Jimmy, and I want to ask you one more concluding thought on this broadcast. Uh, Mox flipped that mic when he got cut short, maybe indicative of some of the veteran frustrations we're hearing about WCW vibes can't be ignored. So we're kind of reading the tea leaves here. I heard somebody online say tonight's AEW Dynamite was like the genesis of a perfect mid-90s WCW show. We're building a we're building a pay-per-view 10 days out, five days out without a main event. We've got four young guns, light heavyweights wrestling it out in a big match. Um what do you think about this comment? Is this locker room frustration or are we reading too much into this? Um, there, there's always going to be frustration in the locker room, regardless of what people think. You know, there's no perfect locker room. Somebody's going to be upset that they're not uh, higher on the card. Somebody's going to be upset that they haven't been featured on TV. Somebody's going to be upset with their storyline, whatever the case may be. Uh, so there's a little bit of everything going on, whether this has WCW vibes only in the sense that, um, I still believe in today's world, you can combine old school with new school. You can still have old school storytelling and selling and have it make sense in the new world and incorporate the the new style or tech, uh, technical in-ring work. Beautifully said. The work rate's different. Like you can you can kind of do that old school storytelling, but with the work rate being a little bit uh, not a little bit higher higher paced, right? Higher speed, a little more athletic, more acrobatic in some ways. You can kind of blend those two, is what you're saying. And take your time with it. It doesn't have to go. You don't have to be driving on the highway the whole time. Sometimes you take a side road and you take a scenic route and detour, and you go, hey, look at that scenery. It's beautiful. 
not if you're Tony Khan and you've had 20 Red Bulls before you wrote down what tonight's problem is going to be. <laughs> Thank you, John Jordan, for the super chat. Thank you, everybody who was Sega Genesis earlier. And I know all of our super chats, the chat room is still open here. Um, but you're talking, Issa, about what this match could end up with. And um, is this the right story to tell? So let's go ahead and get to some predictions for Sunday, because I think this trio's matches. Is before kind of an interesting before you get to, to the about. predictions, I just want to bring something up that truly bothered me. Um, and it never bothers me because I love Miro promos. But Miro teaming up with Sting and Darby seems like one of the most random things in 2022 AEW. Yeah. The last time we saw Miro be near Darby was destroying him for the TNT yeah. title. So now because Malachi Black missed it on Sting and Miro, now does the miss has like some kind of friendship? Is it a friendship miss? Now people are becoming friends because they got missed yeah. it. Like it, I didn't think that made any sense at all. Any bother me. Yeah. Miro is somebody else that should not be. I get it. We're pushing this trios division, but that's not. Miro is somebody else that, like I said about Warlow, should be on some kind of really mm -hmm. important solos match here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we kind of skimmed over that earlier. I apologize. I'm kind of moving oh, at a quick pace through that, but we... um. Miro was ignored until all of the controversy backstage about people being unhappy with their contracts. And then we got Malachi Black and Miro opposite each other. Jimmy, what's going on here, man? Uh, again, appeasing a certain group of fans that read the internet and read the online rumors. And they're take, it just appeases them to everybody else. It's like, like Isa said, why? Why all of a sudden? Where's he been? What's he been doing? And Miro's yeah. a world like he maybe, cuts. Maybe those God promos, brought him dude. together. I don't know. Maybe some yeah. <laughs> Well, and then we gotta go back because Vince McMahon beat God in a wrestling ring about 15 years ago. So what does that say about all of this? <laughs> friendship miss. The chat like yeah. the friendship miss. That's what I'm gonna friendship start calling miss. it. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Friendship miss. Yes. Uh cool. friendship miss here. And I want to give a, a appreciation. Chris Aldich, always love the positive vibes. Great show, Jimmy, Michael, and Issa. Thank you, uh, thank Chris, you. for writing in here. Appreciate all. We don't do this show without y'all. So thank you all for participating out there in the chat room. Exactly. Let's get to a few predictions. And then we got two uh, news and notes about Lady Frost and the next big NXT show. So um, we'll hit these predictions at a fairly quick clip so y'all can get to mm -hmm. bed. Let me try something different here. I want to share. Um, I don't know if y'all typically do tech on these shows, but so everybody can see this. Uh, nope, can't do it during this broadcast. So I'm just going to read up the card here um, yep. and we'll go match by match here. So um, we have Ishii versus Eddie Kingston. I believe that is in one of the pre-show matches here. Ishii versus Eddie Kingston. I think it's a late ad. Any thoughts on this match? Any predictions? Kingston? Yeah. Kingston. Kingston. It feels, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just yeah. got at it. Good for Felt him. Like we were building I'm happy towards... that he's on the card somehow, but that's not what we were. That's not what we were building for. Mm -hmm. We were building towards Sammy, and this right. is just yeah. a kind of a makeup match here. So we'll we'll take it. Okay, Pack versus Kip Sabian for the AEW All Atlantic Championship here. East, I'll start with you. Who do you think? Uh, Pack. The first time we see this, this. The first time we see this title AEW since he won it because he's been defending mm -hmm. it everywhere. But AEW, and and that's the match that we're gonna get. Pack wins. Yeah, Pack I can't wins. see. I, I can't see another outcome. Pack. All right. Hook versus Angelo Parker for the unsanctioned FTW championship. <laughs> Jimmy, who you Hook. got? Uh, I'm going with Hook here. He's uh, he's uh, wildly popular, apparently still, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't seen him on TV for a while, so we'll see. But I'm going That's Hook. one of the most prestigious titles out there. That title belt is hardly ever lost. FTW mm -hmm. title. Task keeping it real for all of us out here. Mm -hmm. All right. The Elite versus TBD in the tournament final for the AEW World Trios title. I think it's got to be Paige and um, the Dark Order. Um, so thoughts, predictions? Uh, as soon as Kenny Omega came back, I said the Elite is winning the whole thing. I'm sticking with that. 
I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Kenny uh, Adam Page and and uh, his, his, his Dark Order friends are going to surprise everyone. I might be with you, Jimmy, because I don't know that we're not going to pivot pretty quickly to see Kenny Omega versus Osprey. The Don Callis add-in, yes. the shades during the match tonight, some of those moments back and forth. They've only fought in a singles match together once before, I believe, back in Pro Wrestling Gorilla. So, I, I'm, Jimmy, I'm thinking with you on this one. I think they're going to go cool. for the, the surprise on Sunday. I don't know that that does much for the belts, but should yeah. be a fun story to tell. I hope you're right. All right. I, I remember attending uh, Grand Slam last year and just getting that match from Brian and Omega was just a dream. I would love to see Omega be on another super high-profile match at Grand Slam. Osprey will be it. And uh, we got Goodfella1422 saying, give Evil Uno a dub. And I guess he's mm. injured, but maybe he'll be back by Sunday if they go that route. So we will see. Yeah. Wardlow and FTR versus Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns in a six-man tag match. Um, I'm going to go first on this one because I, I love Motor City Machine Guns, but I got to say Wardlow and FTR have the momentum, right? Absolutely. They've got too many titles and Wardlow, like you said, is a big star in the making and uh, his team, regardless if he, he doesn't get pinned, that side losing doesn't help anybody. Right. We're low on FDR. I'm with you guys. Fatal four-way for the women's title. Tony Storm, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, Sheeta. Who y'all got? Uh, I, I'm I'm going obvious here. I think Britt Baker, is as a heel champion, works just great. Do you, do you want me to pick with my heart or with my brain? Because <laughs> my heart is going to say Britt Baker always. Yeah, but my brain thinks it's Tony Storm. That's what we were building towards with, mm. with Thunder Rosa. Gotcha. I'm with uh, I'm with Tony Storm. I think so too. I think we'll stick to the plan, and Britt Baker is the uh, decoy in that. Um, Casino Royale ladder match um, for the future AEW World Title. I, lots of people in this match. It could be wide open, but do we have any predictions on who the wild card might be? Let's just let's just do that one. Mm. That's a tough Adam one. Cole. Ah, ah! I didn't think him. You know what? Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Isa. You just, I you got just, you, Jimmy. You went, Bing! Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> or MJF comes back and he gets not the, in uh, that. No, 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 not no. in that match. No, not in that match. All right. <laughs> we got Danielson. I'm wrong on that one. Both of you, yeah. you guys are aligned yeah. in that one for me. <laughs> uh, Danielson versus Chris Jericho, one of the cornerstones of this pay per view. Who y'all got? East, I'll start with you, Brian. Brian, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Brian with the help of Sammy unintentional Ooh. well maybe brian brian doesn't notice the help but at the same time because of uh sammy brian gets win. jericho gets the win with the help of danny garcia we think he's going to turn he doesn't actually turn right. all right oh, one, Michael. i like that they like to do that sometimes in aw they'll they'll tease a turn but not go there and i think it's cool <laughs> um swerve in our glory versus the acclaimed mm. As happy as I am to see the acclaim in this tag title match, because I do think they earned that, it's going to be Swerve and, and Keith Lee. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. They're two nuanced champions. I don't think they want to play hot potato yet. Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage. Jungle uh, Man, please, Jungle yeah. Man. Jungle Man, Jack Perry. Jack Perry. The Jungle Man, Jack Perry. Yeah. He could play, yes, he could exactly. play a pretty good Tarzan later on. You never know. Yeah. And trust me, a loss, a loss for Christian means absolutely nothing at this point. He's still going to be. Yeah, he could. I mean, he's 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 bulletproof. He's He could go mm -hmm. cut a promo next Wednesday and make up for a loss. Just oh, like yeah. I, I'm going to pick oh, yeah. Christian. I'm sorry. I want to see Christian kick his ass. Okay. Oh, 
Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe Luciasaurus is still with Christian. I don't know. I still, I'm very intrigued of who Luciasaurus is really with. So mm -hmm. the same way you predicted that Jericho win with maybe some assistance, maybe Luciasaurus is still on the dark side here, and and we continue this story. You never know, Jungle Man. Wow, that's some some hate for me yeah. on that one. Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Got to be Ricky Starks, right? Oof. Mm. Yes. It it should be Ricky Starks, but I got a feeling Powerhouse Hobbs. Okay. Right. I'm never gonna root again, Ricky Stark. Fun fact: my Stark. nephew, my nephew is literally Ricky Starks, like double danger. So I can't. Every time I see Ricky Starks, I see my nephew. I can't root against the guy. Okay. I gotta see a picture. You gotta you gotta send us one of those. Oh, well, I gotta right. send Jade it to Cargill. you. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, send it to me. Um, I'll see you on Sunday on for the post game for that. So Jade Cargill versus Athena. Jade Cargill's undefeated streak on the line and the TBS Championship on the line. Who y'all got? I, I think. I, yeah, I think the uh, streak stays intact. Yeah. Streak stays intact. I'm going with Athena. Let's let's go with the I love Athena. So I think she could I just it, don't but. think you end this streak without making a big story about it. I think Athena mm -hmm. and Jay do have a good story going. I mean, they have built this since what double or nothing, but they don't talk about the streak being broken enough for it to feel like it could mm -hmm. be broken. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. All right. Two more matches. House of Black versus Miro, Darby Allen, and Sting. Jimmy, start with you. Wow. Ah, uh, that see, that's a tough one. I, it, it would make more sense for House of Black to win because I, you know, Miro getting along with Darby Allen and Sting. That, I don't know. I just uh, something is. I don't know. It's the friendship mist. Yeah, the friendship <laughs> mist. Maybe it wore off on Miro and he helps him out or something. <laughs> he joins. The I'm gonna go with Dude, House of Black just to be different. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be a great addition to that team, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Isa. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Miro, but this makes no sense. You guys already know how I feel about this. I just want to see Miro get a win. Friendship missed for the win. I'm going with House of Black. All right, and then main event, of course, John Moxley versus CM Punk no for the AEW World Title. Isa, Jimmy's got his opinion, but what you what you thinking? Moxley. Moxley. Yep. Uh, uh, you know what? I agree with uh, I agree with Isa, but. There is going to be a surprise who takes out CM Punk. Is it who gets, I think it is, Jimmy? It, it, it's going to generate massive heat like he already has. Yes. Even though he hasn't been seen or heard of or even out of the opening you know, sequence for the show. I think MJF makes his return on Sunday and costs CM Punk the match. I will go crazy. In the good, the good wow. kind of crazy. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. I still think MJF could end up in WWE next year, but you know, I, guess we'll I think see. a lot of people are it, 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 after that story they told tonight with the CM Punk promo, the whole Chicago mm -hmm. thing. CM Punk has well now two, but his first loss in AEW happened in Chicago by MJF. Like they're not afraid mm -hmm. to have him lose in Chicago. So I'm not using the whole, first of all, it's Hoffman States. That's not Chicago. It's like 40 minutes outside of Chicago. But don't Chicago. get me started on geography. Yes. Yes. <laughs> don't get me started on that. I don't think they're afraid to, to, to be punk in Chicago. And I think a returning MJF will be an excellent story. So I'm going to go with Mox here. Yeah. Yep. Good fellow 1422. Bring it back at the pay-per-view is the move, right? That's the way you generate some buzz here. Yeah. All right. Two quick news and notes to get to here, but I just want to call it JR Smith. Great work, Jimmy Michael and Issa. Your opinions are appreciated. Um, and of course, we got tons of wrestling to get to this weekend. So JR, thank you for the love. We appreciate it. 
Um, two two quick news and notes. So backstage news about Lady Frost apparently requesting her release. It was denied. Um, not going to get into all the details here. You can read about it on WrestlingInc.com. But what makes this such an interesting situation is she has not performed in months for the promotion. Um, made her case to get released to the Anthem CEO Leonard Asper. Um, they have denied this and have also um, said there are no currently no creative plans uh, for you at the moment. Um, so they are basically asking her to stay at home unpaid and sit out the rest of her contract, which I believe goes into um, uh, two more years from now. And apparently at a recent impact taping that she worked, um, they made her pay out of pocket for travel and hotel. And she had a medical procedure lined up. So this story is wild and crazy. Um, I don't know, have no insight as to why, impact is reacting this way um she's been with them since october of 21 so almost a year now but have y'all ever heard of anything this crazy and jimmy i'll start with you on this like what's going on here like why would they deny this for her and not even offer to pay i have no idea that makes zero sense whatsoever someone wants out of their contract especially considering that they don't get paid if they're not being used then you know what grant this person give them the opportunity to make a living because right now you're preventing them from 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 doing so yeah and to just to finish jimmy's sentence if you don't want to give her the release then give her a story impact does have an incredible knockout division there's Mm -hmm. some way in there that she has to be able to fit in so it just seems it seems very very unfair yeah and and i'll just add to that like the thing that's really strange to me is what is impact's angle on this because and this is no discredit to lady frost you got Brock Lesnar on a contract that you can force him to stay at home and the competition doesn't get him. Number one, you should use him, right? But number two, you mm-hmm. don't you want to keep him out of the hands of the competition. And I'm not sensing that Lady Frost is the hottest free agent out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it just seems like kind of like a power play to a certain extent, you know? Yeah, right. Just, I don't I don't see the reasoning behind it. Anyway. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. The other news and note that we have here is um, they have announced the next big NXT show. So, of course, this Sunday we have Worlds Collide coming on shortly before um, AEW All Out. Um, And then the next big one is going to be Halloween Havoc, and it will take place Saturday, October 22nd. So we are moving away from the weeknight. So during the NXT 2.0 era, we've had a lot of Tuesday night big shows. Um, It seems like starting this weekend and then moving into October, we're taking NXT shows back to the weekend, which I am a big fan of. I think fight night is Saturday night. Jimmy, I see you nodding your head. This is a good move, right? It makes NXT feel like a bigger deal. Exactly. That's what it makes it feel like. Like when they do the big shows on their Tuesday night show, it it just makes it feel like, you know, it's just another show. Yes, they're hyping it up. There's a little more to it. But at the same time, when you make it a premium live event, as they call them now, it makes it feel like a big deal. You know, it, it sometimes perception is reality. And if you want to elevate the perception of NXT, you do something like that. And I think uh, that's, that's great. And bringing back the old names that people recognize is a lot of fun. Can be a lot of fun, depending on what you do on the show too. Yeah. That elevation matters. Issa, you do every show. So you're watching NXT now. There's a different vibe going on. Like it feels like they're kind of going uh, back to their roots a little bit, right? 
last night's NXT was a lot of fun, and they did what was supposed to be accomplished, which was get you excited and sell you on Worlds Collide. I went into last night thinking, I'm not excited for Worlds Collide at all. I was actually thinking, I might skip it because there's so much wrestling going on this weekend. And last night's NXT sold me on that show. So hmm. if, if I'm going to base it just on what we're seeing this week, it felt like maybe Triple H is not there yet with NXT because he has so much to do. But there was fingerprints of Triple H all over last night's show, which makes you really wonder what's going to be the next big NXT show and what is that going to feel like. So, yeah, I'm excited mm-hmm. for it. And agreed, I prefer the shows to be separate because when you put these big shows on a weekday, it just feels like another episode of NXT. It doesn't feel like a special event. And now this will mm-hmm. feel that way. Wayne points out great move, but it will go against college football. And that's kind of comes with the territory sometimes, but I like Saturday night pay-per-views. It makes, I wish AEW would keep, I know it's a holiday weekend. So Monday is a holiday for a lot of people, but it just feels special and different on a Saturday night. You know, Mm -hmm. just just feels different and special. Well, I'm going to get to a quick rundown. We got a ton of wrestling coming up in the coming week. We got Friday night Smackdown. Issa, you'll be back for that. Correct. We got Saturday night clash at the castle. We got Sunday All Out and um, Worlds Collide. Um, Issa and myself will be back for that one. Jimmy, when can we see you again on the Wrestling Inc. Uh, postgame show? Uh, I'll be here on Monday night after Raw. With uh, I, I'm assuming Triple J is back next week. I'm not sure. But Raj filled in this week. Thank you, Raj. Good to see you, buddy. And also, uh, you could see me do my ref and rants on a daily basis from Monday to Friday on all my social media platforms. And you can get the t-shirts too. This is a special gift from the wife. The wife got me this, so. but, uh, but you can get a ref and rant t-shirt or a Canadian heat magnet t-shirt, which, uh, sometimes because of my critiques of AEW, I get a lot of online, but, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, I critique everybody and I don't mean it to be mean. I mean it because I want it to be better. And I just enjoy wrestling so much. I want everybody to enjoy as much of every brand out there as they can. No, you're getting, you're on the payroll from Vince McMahon still, right? Like that's Well, according cool. to some people, I wish I could see those checks because I don't see them coming. <laughs> so, Jimmy, you're going to be back next Monday. Issa, when are you joining the Wrestling Inc. postgame show again? Oh, God, every day. I'll be here Friday. Every- I'll be here for All Out post show, and I will be here for the Clash at the Castle post show. Also, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And also, you guys can go over to my YouTube channel. We have watch-alongs for pretty much everything. So, if you want to have fun, watch the show with me. We get drunk. We, we, we celebrate the good moments. We could tweak the bad moments so uh we're very close to twenty thousand subscribers so nyc demon demon on youtube go subscribe awesome uh, and um you know dylan matthews jumping in there says critique away jimmy so keep up oh. what you're doing man people like the critiques and some people maybe they just shouldn't be quite so sensitive you know what i mean oh, thank, thank you dylan <laughs> I just want to say, Issa, Jimmy, sincerely, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, this is the first time we've done the show together, so I appreciate your both, your insight, your knowledge. Issa, we've done stuff together, and I'll be back with you on Sunday, but I have just enjoyed the hell out of this hour and a half and just want to, from my vantage point, thank you both very much. So no, Thank you. I missed you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, this was the Wrestling Geek Podcast for um, August 31st, 2022. Um, he is Jimmy Corderas, at Jimmy Corderas. She is Issa at NYC, NYC Demon Diva with a one. I am Michael Wiseman at The Real Wiseman. Um, and Wrestling Inc. will be back at you with a post-game show on Friday night, immediately following SmackDown. Um, and stay tuned with us all weekend long as we break down all the news, all the coverage, all the shows, everything happening in the wide world of professional, professional wrestling. Thank you all for joining us tonight. And we will catch you here next time on Wrestling Inc. See ya. Adios. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.